Hello. Hey. <laughs> Welcome back to I Listen to Everything, the podcast where we talk about music genres. And this will be the last episode of our spooky month. Already? Already. I know. Isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of fun. We talked about doom metal, mm-hmm. horrorcore. Yeah. And the last episode was about Witch House, which right. you weren't there for. I wasn't there for it. Sorry. It's all good. It was a bit of a shorter one. And it was fun to uh, to listen to. That was an, a more, I don't know, it was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was definitely the the newest one, I would say, of all of the genres that we're talking about in this in the spooky season. But today... What I you got for us? I saved, well, in my opinion, best for last. <laughs> <laughs> um, because today is a genre that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, but I saved it specifically for as close to Halloween as we can get because... I immediately was like, oh, yes, we should talk about this closer to Halloween. Um, the genre that we're going to be talking about today is gothic rock. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Yes. I'm very excited to talk about this. Good choice. Yeah, I know, right? Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I mean, it's, it's not music that you only listen to at this time of year, but like it's definitely, it fits the theme of Halloween very well. Lots of spooky themes in gothic rock. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely very somber, dark music. Do you know any gothic rock bands? Any that come to mind? You know one of them. Really? Yeah, because they're related to Blink-182. Well, related. They're an influence on Blink-182. My Chemical Romance. No, they're not a gothic rock band. But they are... They're influenced by gothic rock. (laughs) But no. That, like, one of the biggest ones. We were just watching an interview yesterday where they mentioned this band. Why did, was it, who's, who's the one that was like, uh, inspired me to become a bassist? The Cure. The Cure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like biggest influence. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so fun fact, Blink-182 is very heavily influenced by The Cure. I think it's like both Tom and, and, uh, Mark's, and Mark's yeah. like one of their favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very different style of music, but, but yeah, so The Cure uh, the Cure, Susie and the Banshees, Bauhaus, and Joy Division are like the first four, um, according to my research, at mm. least. Mm-hmm. These are like the first post-punk bands that were associated with the shift towards like darker music with gothic overtones in the late 70s, early 80s. So p- gothic rock is a style of music that emerged from post-pop, post-punk. Okay. And that was in the UK in the late 70s. Uh, it was a change from punk that was a little more avant-garde, kind of similar to uh, New Wave, mm-hmm. but New Wave was like more poppy, I guess. Right. And gothic rock had a much more darker sound compared to post-punk, and used a lot of like minor or bass chords, a lot of reverb, uh, dark arrangements, dramatic and melancholic melodies, inspirations from, of course, gothic literature and other gothic themes. Um, themes of sadness, nihilism, dark romanticism, tragedy, and morbidity. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, dealing with the macabre and death and things like that. So the lyrics usually represent the evil of the century and the romantic idealization of death and the supernatural imagination. So that's a big theme in gothic rock. So kind of similar to other themes that we saw, for example, in horrorcore. But horrorcore is a bit more like violent and like slasher like yeah. movies and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, Witch House also had some themes, but it was more in like the imagery because there's not as much lyrics in that genre. And Doom Metal, 
I would say is probably the most similar to gothic rock. I think they're both were sort of happening around the same time as mm-hmm. well. Okay. And so it also gave rise to the goth subculture, which we'll talk about a bit in this episode. It's not, well, it is related to the music, but it's, it's sort of its own thing. Kind of like punk has its own subculture, which is not related to the music. Same thing with goth. So there was gothic clubs, there was goth fashion, uh, publications, things like that. Uh, it was a whole subculture in the... Hmm. Well, in the 70s, 80s, and later on, were there goths at your school in your grade? I, People who dress goth. Yeah, like, a little bit. With like the dark makeup and mm-hmm. always dressing in black, things like yeah. that. There were a few in my school at the time. And I remember always thinking like, wow, so brave to come into school looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was in awe of it but you know of course they're gonna get stared at and like they're seen as like you know mm-hmm. outsiders from what everyone else wore so and I, I was reading an article where it was like yeah back in the day goths used to get bullied for dressing the way they dress and you know right. being who they were whereas nowadays it's less of a thing just because it is more acceptable to like be yourself and dress the way you want mm-hmm. dress, which is really cool yeah um but let's talk about the history of gothic rock so the term was probably first used uh to describe the doors so the doors are a band from the 60s they're a psychedelic rock band we spoke about them in the psychedelic rock episode and i believe mm-hmm. the song that we played was also very like gothic themed I think we I think we did play the end. I don't remember if we did or not. Not sure. I can't remember. I'll check it out later. But basically, uh, there's a music critic called John Stickney who used the term gothic to describe the music of the Doors. The band met the journalist at the Delmonico Hotel in a gloomy vaulted wine cellar, and he noted that there was violence in their music and a dark atmosphere in their stage presence compared to the pleasant and amusing hippies of the era <laughs> and actually the title of the article was called four doors to the future gothic rock is their thing um and the song the end is kind of like you know it's talking about the end and my only friend the end so his friend is death you right know? um and this other things that he says in the song are a bit controversial as well i remember i think i was listening to it once and my aunt was like what is this? What is he saying? Because <laughs> it's a really weird song if you listen to the whole thing. Right. And she was like, Chen, what kind of music do you listen to? I was like, it's the Doors. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but some other earlier musicians that shaped the like aesthetics of gothic rock are artists like the Velvet Underground, especially with the drones that they use in their sound. And I feel like we've talked about the Velvet Underground in like every rep- episode, especially if it's related to rock music. Mm-hmm. There's such a big influence in like rock music in general. Um, I'm sure you've heard me talk about them many times now. <laughs> yeah, it's all good though. And they they sort of like, well, the drones in their music created like this dark atmosphere in their sound. And we have artists as well, like David Bowie, especially with his deep and dramatic voice. Um, David Bowie is a glam rock artist, and glam rock is considered like a forerunner to gothic rock, especially because of like the theatricality and the openness to experimentation. This is according to a Pitchfork article called The Story of Goth in 33 Songs, which we're going to be listening to some of those songs in that article today. Okay. And I'll, I'll talk about what they said in the article to sort of give you um, an idea of what song-shaped gothic rock Hmm. and speaking of theatricality and openness there was also a youtube video that i I watched by um polyphonic where they talked about a no sorry 
this was com- this is a completely other thing, but I will talk about that later. Mm. But I watched another YouTube video <laughs> where they talked about I think it was actually by Trash Theory. Yeah, but it was by Trash Theory where they talked about like before Bauhaus because the first goth song was a lot of people say it was Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus, but there were others, you know, artists like The Doors and The Velvet Underground who inspired gothic rock. But they talked about Screamin' Jay Hawkins who uh, who inspired gothic rock as well because he was very, like, there's this particular song called I Put a Spell on You where if you listen to the song, he's, like, screaming maniacally like a vampire. So it inspired a lot of, like, gothic rock as well. How do vampires scream? We'll listen to the song and you'll figure it out. You know what's funny? <laughs> there was... Okay, so I am a librarian, right? And anyone who's li- ooh, who works in a library or is a librarian knows that there are some freaking weird people that come in sometimes because it's the public and the public is weird. People are weird. And it makes for very interesting tor- stories to tell people. So there was this man once who came and he sat down and asked me for a book. And this is the time when we're all wearing masks in the library, right? And he sat down and he asked for a book and it was... It's a book on like George Bush or something. And I was like, okay. And he was a really like weird looking dude. Like, you know, his hair was slicked back, kind of like a vampirish hair look. And and he was like, Can I ask you a question? And I was like, okay. And he's like, and then he took off his mask and he showed me his smile, like this evil smile. And he's like, Do you believe in vampires? And I was like, please put your mask back on. <laughs> I didn't know what to say to him. I was like, I don't want to see that. Thank you. And then he put his mask back on. He thanked me for the book and he left. And as he was leaving, he laughed maniacally like a vampire would. Oh my God. And, and then one of my coworkers who was close to the door was like, what the hell is that? So I told her the story and she's like, okay, if he comes back, just let me know. <laughs> so that's my story of the time I met a vampire. Um, <laughs> and so Screamin' Jay Hawkins he kind of laughs the same way in the song so we'll listen to All that right. later okay. but moving along with gothic rock um, so we also have uh, Alice Cooper as well who's kind of similar in his theatricality um, and black humor as well there's a song called Dead Babies oh boy yeah okay but it's one of the classics of Alice Cooper but yeah. he's not like a gothic rock artist but that's sort of you know his whole thing is sort of inspired his whole theatricality and all that inspired gothic rock artists as well Mm. um and we have nico too nico was actually a singer on for the velvet underground on one of their albums but her 1968 album the marble index is sometimes called the first gothic album it had a very like somber sound and lyrics and she had also changed her look at that time Mm -hmm. because she was tired of being like called this beautiful blonde and so she didn't want to be associated with that anymore she wanted to be you know and i feel like this is a lot of why like i think this is what a lot of goths do is they don't want to be like you know they want to be different Mm -hmm. they want to dress in all black and so she started dressing in all black and she dyed her hair a darker color similar to what goths do right But then in the 70s, gothic rock starts to, or the word gothic starts to be used to describe post-punk bands like Susie and the Banshees, Magazine, Joy Division. Susie and the Banshees especially had these like very effects-laden guitars, pounding tribal drums. Um, This is according to Alex Petritus of The Guardian. And Joy Division producer Martin Hannett described their music as dancing music with gothic overtones. So a lot of the like early gothic rock 
was like, well, even I think gothic rock in general can be danced to, but it's like spooky dance music. It's great for a <laughs> Halloween party. Um, so like I said earlier, the debut single by Bauhaus called Bella Lugosi's Dead that was released in 1979 was considered to be like the beginning of the gothic rock genre. So as a result, we did see more gothic characteristics in other bands like The Cure and Susie and the Banshees with their later albums in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So with Susie and the Banshees' Juju released in 1981, uh, Stephen Severin, the bassist of Susie and the Banshees, said he was influenced by The Cramps. And The Cramps are a psychobilly band. So... Um, they're like kind of a punk band, but they're they're also sometimes called gothabilly because they have a lot of gothic characteristics in their music as well. Okay. And their song was actually used in the TV show Wednesday. So you know the dance that she does? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they played Goo Goo Muck in that scene. But we're going to listen to another one today. Even though they're not really a gothic rock band, they definitely influenced the style. Mm. Obviously, they influenced Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. And The Cure as well. So The Cure had like a trio of albums in the early 80s that started to sound a lot more dispirited and very like somber and dark so the album 17 seconds in 1980 faith in 1981 and pornography in 1982 which is considered the band's gothic piece de resistance so the first line of that album is it doesn't matter if we all die Hmm. pretty dark pretty dark to me There was also Nick Cave's The Birthday Party with the Junkyard album, which combined sacred and profane things. So like Old Testament imagery with stories of sin, curses, and damnation. Where have we seen this before? The Bible. (laughs) No, I mean in music. The Bible. Obviously. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, I feel like if I was a teacher, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed. I'd be like, God, these kids are learning nothing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're dying. No, in doom metal, remember how we talked about they used like a lot of Judgment Day references right. and things like that? Mm-hmm. Keep up. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot already. That's all good. So the birthday party had another band called Killing Joke, which are considered like essential proto-goth groups, according to Simon Reynolds. Um, although both groups disliked labeling themselves as goth, which all bands dislike labels usually. Mm, yeah. Um, and then in 1982, 1982 to 1983 is like the year when the years when gothic rock is really forming and becoming a thing. So there's a club in London that opens called the Bat Cave. And this club is considered the birthplace of like goth, the goth subculture Why in southern England. Why cave? Why not call it Gotham instead of goth, gothic? Huh? Call it what? Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> I don't know. I like the Bat Cave. I think that's cool. No. Yeah. It's the name of Bat Side Out. <laughs> oh, that's true. The Bat Cave. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I think it works. Um, and the band Specimen was like the house band of the Bat Cave. They had a lot of concerts there. All right. Uh, and then in 1983, on the front cover of NME, they described the scene of gothic rock as positive punk. So there's an article by Richard North that talked about Bauhaus being the forerunners of the scene. And there was a quote that says, so here it is, the new positive punk with no empty promises of revolution either in the rock and roll sense or the wider political sphere, here is only a chance of self-awareness, of personal revolution, 
of colorful perception and galvanization of the imagination that startles the slumbering mind and body from their sloth. I don't know what the hell he's talking about at the end there, but the part where he said, uh, there's no empty promises of revolution. Um, and you know, they're not talking about politics in this genre. So basically he's saying it's not like punk, it's positive, which is funny because it's a very dark genre and they're talking about death and things like that, but he's calling it positive punk. Um, so then in 1983, a lot of other bands emerged that are starting to be called Gothic rock. So, Flesh for Lulu, Play Dead, Rubella Ballet, Jean Loves Jezebel, Blood and Roses, Alice Gang. You see the names too are very like, you know, um, death related and like Flesh for Lulu, Play Dead, mm-hmm. uh, Blood and Roses. So they're playing with the theme, the goth theme. And there's also an Icelandic group called Kukul, which had Bjork. Really? So Bjork also dabbled in some goth as oh, well before shit. she became Bjork. Okay. Other members of the band who would later form the Sugar Cubes, which Bjork was also in. Mm. And then there was like this shift in gothic rock from doom and gloom to a more rock genre. Um, so this is exemplified in bands like Sisters of Mercy, who were influenced by bands like Motorhead, The Stooges, um the velvet underground so those are all more rock bands and so you get a little bit more rock in gothic rock at some point in the 80s so the 1983 single temple of love was like the goth anthem of that year and we'll Mm -hmm. listen to that song today but we do have other developments so it wasn't just in the uk there was an american gothic rock movement with bands like 45 grave and christian death those were like the first bands it's a bit more punk rock influence in the States, and it became known as Death Rock. Christian Death, the band, had like LA punk and heavy metal influences, whereas 45 Grave was more heavy metal inspired. Um, and other garage punk and garage rock bands were influential on the sound and aesthetics of the goth subculture in the US. So some pioneers of the goth punk subgenre are bands like The Cramps, as well as Lydia Lunch, The Misfits, The Nuns, The Gun Club. Um, So I think one day we will do like a goth punk episode. Well, I feel like, no, we're definitely going to do all the genres that we ever mentioned, but goth punk is definitely one that I want to do. All right. And some 80s US goth bands also include Superheroines, Human Drama, The Wake, Community FK, And the later stages of goth started to have a different sound. So, for example, bands like The Cult, they started to have a more, like, hard rock sound. Uh, And then some members of Bauhaus reformed to create the group Love and Rockets, which is, like, an alternative rock post-rock band. Or, sorry, post-punk band. The 90s, you get a bit of a, like, resurgence of the subculture. um, And gothic metal also emerged in the 90s as well. Mm Mm-hmm which combined, obviously, the aggression and loud guitars of metal with the more icy and bleak sound of gothic rock. And there was a lot of gothic characteristics in popular groups of the 90s, like Marilyn Manson, PJ Harvey, Nine Inch Nails, Manic Street Preachers. So they're not gothic rock bands, but they had those gothic elements, and Mm -hmm. they certainly dressed the part as well, especially Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, the inc- influence can be seen in bands like The Horrors, who have like a sort of 60s garage rock sound mixed with 80s goth. 
But I wanted to see, like, is this still a thing today? Is, you know, is goth still around? Which I, I assumed it was because there's people who still, you know, dress goth and things like that. Right. Um, so I did find an article that was written in February of this year called Goths Undead, The Dark Return of Britain's Spookiest Subculture. So it does talk a little bit more about the subculture of goth and not as much on the music. But I did want to talk about it today. So... In the, in the article, they talk about the show Wednesday, which was released on Netflix last year. Wednesday dances. What did I say that? Dances. <laughs> I said that like I'm gone. Wednesday dances. <laughs> okay, so Wednesday dances. <laughs> like a you know, like a little goth weirdo, basically, <laughs> in her very like gothic dress. Uh, to the cramp song, Goo Goo Mop. Goo Goo Muck, sorry. So, like I said, the Cramps are like a psychobilly punk rock band, but they are sometimes called gothabilly. They combined rockabilly and goth subculture. Um, and also, The Cure has been touring. We missed them uh, mm-hmm. recently. They yeah. did come to Montreal, but we didn't go. <laughs> and uh, Burberry came out with a goth collection. Susie Sue headlined a festival. And so goth, according to this article, is suddenly back, but it never went away. Goth is not just a genre of music, it's also a subculture. It's similar to punk, like I said. So by 1982, goths in the UK were everywhere. So in the article, they talk about plume-haired fiends, inky apparitions in bullet belts, buckles, and black lipstick. To me, that just means they basically dress in all black, black makeup, and very a lot of the times it's like they painted their faces in like white makeup, mm-hmm. and then I guess to have that contrast of the black and white. Um, and I, I follow this. Uh, I've talked about her before on this um, podcast, but she does talk about music a lot. Madeline Pendleton on TikTok. Mm-hmm. She said that her mom was you know goth in the eighties, and what she would do is buy like black ink, and just dye all of her clothes black. So. Basically, you go to a thrift store and buy anything, doesn't matter what color it is, mm-hmm. and you just dye it black, and then you're a goth, and that's it. Wow. <laughs> and you make your hair all weird, kind of like uh, uh, Robert Smith of The Cure yeah. or Susie Sue from The Banshees, and then you're a goth. Okay, just you like that. You dye your hair black, and yeah. There you go, goth, just like that. <laughs> but there's other parts of the subculture as well. I did like what she said. The, uh, the author of the article uh, said that... Um, I venture a theory that the least threatening people are actually the ones who look the most frightening because their madness is all on the outside, not the inside, where the danger lies. What do you think about that theory in terms of goth? Because I think if you see a person who dresses like the way, you know, goth Mm -hmm. people do, it looks very scary and threatening. But what she's saying is that that's not the case because their madness, they they display it all on the outside. Um... And then the, ins- the inside is not where the danger is. It's all right. out there to see. So they're not hiding, basically. Exactly. They're telling you exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What, do you, what, did your, what are your opinions? I agree. It makes sense. That was uh, a perfect analogy. When you saw goths in, in your younger days, were you, like, scared of them or were you, like... No, I just think... White people, don't <laughs> Well, I always thought about the Joker for some reason. So. The Joker. So you were like, oh, cool, it's the Joker. Minus the evil and, like, terrorism and everything. Yeah. That you saw in cartoons and the movies. They're just, like, people who like to dress yeah. like that. But, like I said, when I started high school, there was someone in my grade that became 
goth and it's the same person I never changed. You always said hi and said what's up and that's it. You were best buds? No. <laughs> Just cool acquaintances. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would agree on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, a way of expressing yourself. In the article as well, they talk about Johnny Slut, who is the keyboard player for the band Specimen. And he says it was an expression of your otherness, kind of like I just said, um, of not feeling like you fitted in or of not wanting to fit in. It was sexy, but also asexual. I remember feeling not particularly gay, not particularly straight. I didn't care. Other things were more important. Friendships, music, the way we were living. Um, I kind of, I saw that quote and it made me think of, because I was reading about the goth subculture and they did say that like, it's, it's very like sex positive and there's a lot of like polyamorous relationships and things like that. So they don't, I guess for like what he was saying is like, he said also that like, I was non-binary, I was non-binary back in, back when it was called goth. Yeah, basically there was a lot of androgyny with the way people dressed. It wasn't like, you know, there's a way women dress and men dress. In goth, it's like everyone's sort of dressed the same in a way. Um, And so, yeah, he talks about that. And, or Johnny Slut talks about that, which I thought was interesting. And Sophie Cherry as well, the bass player of the band Sex Beat, who played regularly at the Bad Cave, thinks that people are into goth now because, oops, People are into goth now because she says we're living in a dark time. So because of like climate change and the economy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music is still kind of there, but it sounds a little bit different. Although there's a lot of, there's still plenty of, as Johnny Slut says it, cold, wavy, dark, techno-y music. And apparently a lot of nightclubs in London, uh, nightclubs like Monster Queen and Wraith, look very goth according to him. And so... According to Cassiette, who is a alt-rock musician, um, goth rock has endured and will always endure. It remains the outer representation of your inner darkness. It's being anti a society that makes you feel uncomfortable. And so Cassiette is one of the many artists who make alternative musics, but like with a more gothic element in their look and their sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my personal opinion, I find today that there are less like scenes, like definitive scenes like goth and punk and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's more like an umbrella term. You just put them all as like alt people. And I think it's because I'm, <laughs> I'm on alt TikTok a lot. <laughs> and like people sort of, I notice people sort of dabble in all of the subcultures and they're not necessarily goth or punk. It's just sort of like whatever they want to dress as. Okay. Um, and in the article they say, you know, Gen Z, especially the apocalyptic thinking, horror bombarded digital natives who've grown up convinced the planet is wrecked, humanity is hideous, and the world is run by idiots. And so that's why they're embracing things like goth and other alternative subcultures, because it's like, we reject society, taking part of all these other subcultures that are anti, you know, what the mainstream society is. Right. Um, that was a, I feel like that was a... <laughs> A long explanation of like the goth subculture but i feel like they go hand in hand like the goth gothic music gothic rock and the goth subculture because you kind of have to understand where these people are coming from mm-hmm. why they're singing about all these things and uh yeah so that's that's what gothic rock is now we're gonna listen to some gothic rock songs cool let's do it all right so the first uh track we're gonna play is not really a goth song okay it's from the year 1956, but we'll definitely see a lot of gothic themes in this song, and we'll see where the inspiration for 
the lyrical themes as well as, you know, some of the music mm. comes from. All right. So the first song is called I Put a Spell on You by Screaming Jay Hawkins. <laughs> song from like old 90s commercials and stuff old 90s commercials yeah they used it they used it in commercials yeah well i know that there's a ccr uh cover of this mm. so and that's the one i know more but this one i really like because it's really like it's very theatrical and apparently screaming jay hawkins used to rise out of a coffin on stage with a walking stick decorated with a skull and <laughs> So, and the way that he dresses, too, is, like, very okay. vampire-like. And, and he had, like, this thing that went through his nose as well. I think my parents had the record, too. Probably. It's from 1956, mm-hmm. so that would make sense. And, um... Oh, what was I going to say again? And apparently when they were... This song was supposed to be, like, a... Kind of like a ballad. Like, it wasn't supposed to be sung this way. But the producer, so this is according to um, the Pitchfork article called The Story of Goth in 33 Songs. And apparently, yeah, so the producer brought in a bunch of alcohol into the studio. And so that's why um, Hawkins is like screaming and grunting. And the way that he laughed in that little part there, Mm -hmm. that's how that guy laughed in the library. The guy who said he was a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what the hell? I wonder if it was near Halloween. I don't remember now. But it was definitely like during like a big wave of COVID. And I was like, what? Put your mask on, please. So that's Screaming Jay Hawkins. Um, So we're not really getting into goth just yet. These are like the influences. Another big influence is Nico and the Velvet Underground. I'm going to be playing All Tomorrow's Parties, which is from the Velvet Underground's, um, like one of their biggest albums from 1967. The one with the banana on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is all tomorrow. All tomorrow's parties.
So that was the song from 1967. Uh, it's sort of proto-goth. So it does sound very gothic, but mm-hmm. it's more of like a psychedelic song, especially with like the tambourines yeah. in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently like the guitars were tuned to be all the same note like the strings were all the same note to create that like droning sound and also john kale had like a prepared piano that channeled the repetitive headiness of terry riley creating the same potion of elegance and airy dread that you might feel while walking through a cemetery i feel like i got that vibe yeah um throughout the song it's definitely very like Spooky, but not scary spooky, but just like it gives that eerie eerie sound. Yes, very much so. Um, and so we didn't play The End by The Doors. I was looking at our playlist for the Psychedelic Rock episode. We played End of the Night, okay. which is from the same album and also very eerie sounding. But we'll just play a little bit of The End by The Doors. All right. definitely a very eerie and somber mm-hmm. sound there yeah. um yeah he's singing about giant snakes thirst frenzied children and edible incest <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah there's a part about wanting to like kill his dad and f his mom and in the song so i think that's why my aunt was a little like what the hell <laughs> <laughs> i guess i didn't realize it back then i was just kind of like oh it sounds cool but now that i know the lyrics i'm like okay uh, well um but apparently jim morrison was a very like messed up guy probably someone that would get canceled in today's My day and age i don't know like i remember watching a, a movie about him and he was just like i can't remember but i remember thinking ew <laughs> But a lot of rock stars were weird and gross. Mm. So, all right. So that's uh, the end by the doors. And uh, next, we're going to really get into some gothic rock. So the first true gothic rock song that we're going to play. This is the song is called Bella Lugosi's Dead. It's co- it's considered the first like gothic rock song that was released in 1979. And yeah, so let's play that. Thank you. 
So the sounds of that were very eerie and strange and mm-hmm. kind of like almost as if like you're being, I don't know, how would you describe that? Like in a trance, but possessed at the same time? Yeah, I feel like it's like I'm in like a dark room and there's sounds coming from somewhere, but I don't know where they're coming from. Mm. Like that. Um, <laughs> this is how I describe music. <laughs> Not with official terms. But according to um, the music video, the music video, Jesus, the YouTube video that I was talking about earlier by Polyphonic, they said that this, that Bauhaus was inspired by a Jamaican genre called mm-hmm. dub. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. But if you listen to like a classic dub song, which I listened to one today, and I was like, I, I hear the the influence behind it. So a very like popular dub artist was um, King Tubby. And I'll just play like the, the number one song that um, is on Spotify. It's called Take Five, which was a cover of a jazz standard. Mm-hmm. So I'll just play that just so you can hear the influence. god for i know the song <laughs> well that's i don't know this particular song but i know the jazz standard because like my uncle is a jazz artist and they mm. would play this a lot and i think it's like a very popular jazz songs or jazz standard so um so yeah but you hear the kind of it, it's like the reverb i mm-hmm. think is what inspired them but i just want to go a little bit further into bella lugosi's dead because i want to get into the lyrics a little bit okay So the way he's singing too is very like almost vampiric. Mm-hmm. Like and apparently it was it, it's talking about Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi was an actor in a movie called Count Dracula. Um so a lot of the themes of the song are about you know mm-hmm. that as well so yeah that's bella lugosi's dead by Bauhaus, a super influential song of this genre uh, or a very important song of this genre mm-hmm. but then we get uh susie and the banshees so this song is from the 1981 album i believe it's called yeah 1981 the juju album this song is called spellbound <laughs> Yeah. 
So that's Spellbound by Susie and the Banshees. What did you think of that one? That's a cool song. Yeah. I thought you would like them. <laughs> they have a lot of like different elements in their music that sound really cool. Um, and Susie Sue uh, was a, like, uh, is like a goth icon. She, I'm just reading from the Pitchfork article here. Her fright-wigged silhouette remains its most visual embodiment. Her album covers a Rosetta Stone to the genre's symbolic lexicon of angst and Cleopatra eyes and Art Nouveau typography. So that was Spellbound by Susie and the Banshees. And of course, we do have to play The Cure. So the first song I'm going to play by The Cure is A Forest. And this is from the 17 Seconds album. So I believe that was like the first one of their more somber sounding genres. Mm. Um, Because they went through like a few phases. Like The Cure is not just goth. Some of their music sound a lot more post-punk because they're Mm post-punk as well um but this this album is definitely very very gothic this song is called a forest how it started off like very eerie and like it's like it sounds spooky what's about to happen and then all of a sudden we get a little (laughs) dance part of it like a music video all of a sudden yeah (laughs) yeah so like even with the Susie and the banshee song like you could dance to that Mm -hmm. you could you could do a weird goth dance to that just like wednesday did and yeah wednesday (laughs) uh i love that song a forest by the cure I remember when I first discovered The Cure, my dad had the Disintegration album, which is like, to me, that's their best album, but mm-hmm. that's because I grew up listening to it. Um, and then I was like, oh, I should find out more about The Cure. And I heard that song and I was like, whoa. Like I was awakened to what goth rock was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so that's A Forest by The Cure. Um, and we should play Joy Division. So we will play, this is like their biggest song. Um, it's called Love Will Tear Us Apart from the year 
love the way that he sings in this song. Mm-hmm. It's like very like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh God. I wouldn't expect you to imitate that. It's like, it sounds really cool, even though he's not singing like, you know, a typical professional singer mm-hmm. would sing. None of them really are, I would say. Right. Which is, you know, it's gothic rock. It comes from post-punk. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to sing amazingly. But it fits the theme of the song very well. Because love will tear us apart. How bleak. I know. But the way he's singing it perfectly captures that, mm-hmm. you know, that emotion. So that was Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Let's continue. We're going to play Release the Bats by The Birthday Party. And this is from sounded different than the others mm-hmm. apparently nick cave and the birthday party were bat cave regulars so bat cave being the london nightclub mm-hmm. and the london bat club bat cave <laughs> jesus the london bat cave club played this is a, according to the article again played the same quasi mythical role in the origins of goth that cbgb does for punk and the loft does for dance music so CBGB was a very popular like punk club back in the 70s in New York. And so the Batcave was the same thing for goth, basically. Mm. And so they often, Nick Cave and the Birthday Party often went to the Batcave. But they stood out from the other groups. They were Australian. They had like that, they carried themselves with half rock star swagger, half zombie shuffle. And that's what I kind of got from the song. It sounded a bit more rock to me, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah, so. And it also... The, the shrieking and all that and the, the energy that it gave sort of reminded me as well of the first song we listened to mm-hmm. by Screaming Jay Hawkins as well. So I see the influence there. All right. But I do want to play um, Human Fly by The Cramps because we said that the bassist from, from Susie and the Banshees was inspired by The Cramps. So let's just play that song just to hear okay, the, so, the influence. All right. It's so funny because I can hear the like 
they're they're called like a gothabilly band mm-hmm. and so i hear the kind of like surf rock influence yeah, in there that's so true but i also hear the the goth mm-hmm. it's definitely very gothic i mean um and just this album cover is pretty spooky mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the off the bone uh album i think yeah off the bone so yeah that was human fly by the cramps uh love that song i love the cramps they're great i don't know if you ever played that for me before well uh the cramps is the same artist from that did the goo goo muck for the wednesday show oh okay like i'll just play that song just so you remember all right see it's even showing the wednesday <laughs> show in the... yeah so the same group mm, okay. that did that song. Yeah, so that is The Cramps, Human Fly. Um, we should... Oh, and that was from uh, 1978, by the way. So before gothic rock really became a thing. Mm. I also think that was a great song to play at like a Halloween party. Mm. A lot of the song is. Because that one was a little more like you could dance to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways. Okay, so next song I'm going to play is The Cocteau Twins. So they're also sort they're. They've been in, an influence in many other genres that we've seen. We talked about them for um, hyperpop. Yeah, I don't remember they're that. They're sort of like dream pop shoegaze, I think. But they're also a bit gothic, especially with the song Blood Bitch from when we get to lyrics here because apparently they're all very like occult themed as well Hmm. not really sure what she said but it sounded cool. Sounded, it did sound cool. It sounded very creepy. Mm-hmm. I like that. Ah, I love this season. <laughs> <laughs> the spookiness of it all. Okay, another... Okay, so this is the one, the song that, the next song we're going to play, Temple of Love by the Sisters of Mercy. This is the one that was like the goth anthem of 1983. So let's play that song. <laughs>
So at first I was kind of like, this is a gothic song. It sounds almost like the start of a heavy metal song. The way he's singing is very gothic to me. It sounds spooky, as mm-hmm. if he's like a vampire. Yeah. It sounds like a parody song. A parody? Yeah. As if it's making fun of another song? Yeah. Because <laughs> of the way he's singing. And just the instrumentals and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it is kind of theatrical, so mm-hmm. I guess you could say it that way. You could, you know, I guess that's what you meant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was the Sisters of Mercy Temple of Love. Um, I think what we'll play next is uh, we'll get into a little bit of some American uh, gothic rock. Okay, so the song we're going to play is called Riboflavin by 45 Grave. Castlevania. (laughs) That's cool. That sounded like a parody. That sounded that like, sound like the comedy. Te- that t- sounded like the Teen Titans going trick-or-treating. <laughs> it sounded like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Her riboflavin flavored, non-carbonated, polyunsaturated blood. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm telling you, did, did they make this song for like a show or something? It's from the 1983 album, Sleep in Safety. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that was kind of cute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Let's continue. Let's get into the 90s a little bit. So um, I want to play. Well, actually, it's not the 90s yet. This is 1988. It's called Let My People Go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same song that like. Is that what he was trying to say? No. Okay. So Andrew is laughing because. Okay, so in American Idol, there was this guy that auditioned and he sang <laughs> the same song. So this song that we're going to play is called Let My People Go by Diamanda Galas. But apparently it's a um, cover. Yeah, it's a cover of a, spir- a black spiritual song that was recorded during the Civil War called Go Down Moses, which someone from American Idol also covered. And the way that he sang it was was... You know, very special. Very special. Not enough to get him on the show, unfortunately. He didn't go to Hollywood. Um, but he will forever go down in uh, in meme history. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let's play the Diamanda Gal- Galas version. And this is from 
very dramatic on the piano there. Mm she's singing apparently she was uh trained in classical and jazz with okay. an extreme multi-octave range she said of her voice that her voice was my voice was given to me as an instrument of inspiration for my friends and a tool in the torture and destruction of my enemies hmm. pretty pretty powerful stuff yeah, right. i wonder who her enemies enemies are because the way she's singing it sounds like she's wants to torture someone <laughs> um I'll keep it to myself. No, say it. The Christians. The Christians. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what she's... But um, that was pretty gothic to me, I would say. Mm -hmm. Supposedly at this time in her career, uh, Galas had turned most of her music into activism for AIDS awareness. So in the song when she's singing, I go to sleep with... I go to sleep each evening now, dreaming of the grave. I see the friends I used to know calling out my name. So that's rooted in the cold realism of the AIDS epidemic and all the lives that Gallas, oh, I guess a lot of her friends were dying because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's also why she's singing it because this the way she's singing it because she's, you know, mourning her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so about death along with the theme of goth. Yeah. Um, but there is a band who I didn't find in any of my research, but they are a gothic rock band. They're called Concrete Blonde. And my dad used to listen to them a lot when I was a kid, so I really like them. And also, Madeline Pendleton talked about them, the TikToker that I like to watch. She talked about them being one of her favorite gothic rock bands. So I was surprised when I didn't see them in any of my research. You know, no top lists or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to play one of their songs. I'm going to sing Bloodlet. I'm going to sing. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I won't be singing <laughs> much more than the... <laughs> the uh, impressions I did of the vampire singing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to play, rather, uh, the song Bloodletting, in brackets, the vamp, or otherwise known as the vampire song. And this is from the Bloodletting album, which is, which is from the year 
What do you think of that one? It was pretty, like, Tim Burton cool. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound very, like, horror movie vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, like, typical of the other songs on the album. Like, that, it's, that one's called The Vampire Song. So they're definitely trying to be, like, on that spooky theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the way that the singer, Jeanette Napolitano, sings. Especially in the song Tomorrow, Wendy. I'll just play a little snippet of that one. she sings in that song Mm -hmm. it's very like i don't know i just think she has a really cool voice and this song as well is about um someone who died i think from an aids related yeah from aids as well that's what my dad told me i'm not too sure yeah so concrete blonde probably one of my favorite gothic rock bands along Mm -hmm. with the cure um drew what have you thought so far with all these songs it's not what i expected hmm interesting were you expecting more like heavier? Heavier? It's more somber. A lot of these are like mellow, soft, yeah, sort of poppy at times. To me, it's great music to listen to on like a rainy day or a fall day, mm-hmm. which I've said of all the other genres that we listen yeah. to. Well, not all of them, but the two of them. And but especially gothic gothic rock like i remember during like every fall when i was in school mm-hmm. i would listen to the cure i would listen to concrete blonde i would listen to you know bands like that because it just put me in that like somber mood mm-hmm. um and in november uh me and my sister and my dad go to the cemetery where my grandparents were buried mm-hmm. and so that as well you know part of the theme of yeah. uh, <laughs> you know the macabre death all the themes of gothic rock. But mm-hmm. yeah, it does it is very somber like you said. Yeah. Do you, it's interesting that there that the cure is a uh inspiration for Blink-182. What did you think of that? Well, I think it's more their post-punk. I think so. Yeah, I think it's more that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the songs you know by the cure are not the ones I played, right? Right. Like I'm going to just play one more by the cure from the Disintegration album just because I really like that album. I'm going to play Love Song, which I think is the most popular one from that album. Oh, yeah, this song. Yeah.
love song, mm-hmm. but the way he's singing makes it sound like a very tragic love song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know that one. It's one of their most popular songs, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah. The whole album, though, I could listen to it like from start to end and enjoy every second of it. Mm. Love that. Love that album. That's the one I listen to most when it's raining. To me, that music makes me happy. Is that weird? No, because it's... There's like a bit of hope like sprinkled into her song. It's weird. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. A little tinge of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so the last song that we're going to play is actually a song... um, Oh, I did want to mention in the Pitchfork article, they talked about Salem, which is an artist that I talked about in the last episode for Witch House. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't realize that... uh, they had a lot of haters at the time. I didn't know this, but uh, apparently they were like, okay, this is the quote from the article. They offered critics a veritable feast of reasons to hate them from their music's impenetrable sonic murk to their unrepentant dickishness when accused of cultural appropriation. I don't know what's that, what that's in reference to, but I didn't know that about them before I played them in the last episode. <laughs> so my apologies to anyone who doesn't like them. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that about Salem because they did mention it in this list of gothic songs. So you can hear the influence in Witch House as well for gothic mm. rock. Um, but the last song I'm going to play is by Zola Jesus and the song is called Night. And this is from haunting mm-hmm. what did you think of it it was like suspenseful yeah mm, suspenseful so in the lyrics of this song uh it says jesus so it's zola jesus sounds weird to say jesus <laughs> like that. jesus blurs the line between lying down to f and lying down to die uh she's beckoning from her bed of stones inviting her lover to rest their bones um, but who says the grave isn't a perfectly perfectly good place to get it on? <laughs> this one. They want to rest their boners. It gives. It's <laughs> another way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Um, sort of mixing like the erotic and the macabre together in this song. Um, yeah. So that was Zola Jesus, and that was Gothic Rock. I was almost gonna play a Depeche Mode song mm-hmm. because they did. I mean, they said personal Jesus. I mean, they personal Jesus is on this playlist of songs on like the Pitchfork article. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it to me, it's a gothic song. But then I was like, are they gothic rock? And Wikipedia says no. A lot of people on the Internet say no. But then a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? They were like one of the like, you know, the original gothic rock band. So I don't know where people stand on that. I just want to mention it just in case people are like, 
why didn't you say Depeche Mode? Because I don't know. <laughs> and this is the thing about genres. It's like most of these, like especially the early ones, are post-punk bands. But the way that they're, that they sing and like the elements in their music, the lyrical themes and the dark sound is what makes them gothic rock. It's not necessarily that, you know, it's different from post-punk at all. Right. It's kind of the same thing, but just a different different tune. Um, so... Yeah, so that's what I would say. That's that's how we will end our spooky season, our spooky episodes. Did you enjoy the spookiness? Yes, it was very fun. It was fun. Yeah. I love spooky season. Mm-hmm. Halloween's right around the corner, so. Can't wait. It's going to be great. Did you like Gothic Rock? Did you, are you going to, you think you're going to continue listening to some sure. spookiness? I feel like I've known some of these songs already and. It's been around, so it's nothing really new. I just didn't realize it was gothic. Yeah, I think some people who listen to my podcast are going to be like, oh, I wouldn't have realized this is gothic rock. Mm -hmm. Because I was sort of the same way. Like, when I was younger, I didn't think that, like, oh, I'm going to listen to some gothic rock. I was just like, oh, I'm going to listen to The Cure and Susie and the Banshees. Mm -hmm. But to me, I never realized that that was gothic rock. But I wasn't around at the time when, in the 80s, when goth was, like, a big thing and it was really starting. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's just kind of part of, you know, alternative subculture. And we don't really think about it as much. Exactly. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed our episode on gothic rock and all of our other spooky episodes. We will be back next week with a non-spooky episode. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but hope you stay tuned. I'll be there. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.